this ties me down because I like to use my hands when I preach. And so, but I appreciate these guys. I tell you, we have to set everything up every week. We can't leave anything set up out here. And so, so many things uh, can go wrong. But I appreciate the guys and uh, those that are involved in sound and music and appreciate their willingness to come early and set things up. And But we're going to be back inside. First Sunday in October, our plan is to uh, go back inside. And uh, so I hope that you'll be here on that day, just a couple weeks away. We'll have a 930 service and 11 o'clock service. I'll be honest with you, that's what I'm not looking forward to. I've enjoyed uh, all summer just being together as a church family and not having to have separate services, but we'll go back in and we'll have no choice but to go back to separate services, 9.30 and 11. This coming Wednesday, we will have our midweek services starting back up, and so we'll have a 1 o'clock service in Building A. Uh, we'll have our evening 7 o'clock service, Awana for children up through 6th grade will start this coming Wednesday. Our youth ministry will begin every week. Uh, uh, starting Wednesday as well. Um, and so we're going to get back to somewhat normal uh, as best as we can. And then we will um, look forward to get back, in, back into the services, into the um, uh, buildings uh, first Sunday in October. So I hope you plan to be there for that. It'll be a special day. I want to invite you to take one of these signs as well. We've got three different signs. Vote pro-life, and um, there's several different signs out there that we, I think there's 50 of them, so there's not a lot, and there's a few left I can see on the table. They don't cost you anything, so if you want one of those, uh, make sure you grab that. Also grab the stand to put that in the ground, and um, we want to make sure that uh, we get those and get that message out there. Also on the way in, if you came through this area here, there was some information just on voting, um, just biblical values that uh, we want to make sure that everyone is aware of. And uh, November, the elections are just around the corner. And so we want to make sure that you vote, that you are voting on biblical principles. And uh, so we want to give you as much information on that as we possibly can. All right. I also want to, um, I don't know if the Rays are here. Is Alexa here today? Is she here with there she is. I want to introduce you to Elliot. Is this is that right, Elliot? Hold Elliot up so we could see. Nine pounds and six ounces. And that was on July 16th. And so uh, we congratulate the Ray family, Alexa and Tommy. Also, um, I want you to um, pray for Fry family, they just had their, um, I don't know, is it their sixth or seventh? Who knows? Eighth? Did someone say eight? Nine? Can we get a nine? Eight? Is that it, right? Eight? Where's grandparents at? Eight. It is eight for sure. Really? They're all theirs. Every one of them. All right. This is, uh, in, in Paisley Marie, she was born... Uh, September 10th at 8.43, six pounds, four ounces, and uh, 20 and a half inches long. For the guys, I know you wanted to know all that information, so you can congratulate Steve. But uh, Steve and Amanda, they just had their eighth child, and they texted me um, one evening, the evening before, and said uh, she's heading to the hospital and she's in labor. 
And I said, well, text me as soon as you find out. And I stayed up all night wanting to wait for this picture. It wasn't until 8.43 the next night I got this text. And I said, well, thanks for texting me right away. They said, she just had the baby. It was, so she was in labor a long time. And so um, don't have eight babies if you don't want to be in labor for 24 hours. But we congratulate Clauston Myers, that's grandparents. And so uh, you pray. Great families. And we're excited about um, these babies being born. Anybody else want to announce they're having babies? Anybody? Nobody at all? All right. You're not being obedient. The Bible says be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth. And we want to make sure. I don't think he meant one family do that. But um, I think as a church, we could we could do that. I hope that you are encouraged today. I know everyone here, especially a crowd this size, we can deal with trials and burdens. We all have prayer requests. We live in a, a difficult world, and it's not always easy. And um, there's decisions that have to be made constantly, and um, people are hurting. There's people that are sick, and even though things in our world has been different for the last several months, there's still people going to the hospital. There's still people that have had surgeries. There's still the funerals, um, funeral homes and funerals of people right here, the people that uh, you love and family. There's still job situations that people are dealing with. Um, there's still emotional depression, anxiety that people are facing. And um, I'm, I'm glad that we get to come together and I hope this for the next few moments that you would allow the Lord to speak to you and help you today and encourage you. I look out as we sing and just as I greet people as we're coming in. And I know just there's a lot of hurt. and There's a lot of suffering. I want to encourage you with this. There's going to be a day where there is no more hurt. There is no more suffering. Jesus Christ is coming again. He's coming again. And there's hope, Christian. There's hope. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the hope that you have, and I pray you'll choose today, is hope that you'll find in Jesus Christ. He said this, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And I hope that you'll accept that free gift of salvation today and find the hope that you can only find in Christ. I want to ask you to do this just for a moment. I just, just sense that there are people that are um, carrying heavy burdens today. And um, uh, just as, as a pastor here, I know there's per people carrying heavy burdens. I, I deal with people all week long, and I know that you're carrying them. And uh, I know also as well there's a lot of people I probably don't know because you keep it inside. You deal with it privately, but it still hurts. And so I'm going to ask you to do this because I want us to be ready for this message today. I want you to just bow in prayer with me now. And just for a moment, I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit of God to minister to your heart today. If you're here, you're here for a reason. God has you here on purpose for, for, to give you something from his word. It's not a mistake. You're here by a divine appointment by God, and I want you to receive what he has for you today. And so would you just bow in prayer right now? God knows what you're dealing with. Why don't you just tell him? 
Lord, this is what's on my heart. And I need you to work through this. I need you to give me answers. I need your help. And then ask him to help you today as we look into his word. Father, Lord, there's some here today, they're celebrating and excited about new birth. There's people here today, Lord, I've met family members, people that are visiting, and they're excited to be reunited and spending time with family. There's some here today, Lord, maybe this week, they received good news, a good doctor's report, or news at work, or something at home, Lord, that you've supplied, something that you've done. And they're rejoicing, and Lord, we give you all the glory and the praise for that. And we pray that you continue to encourage them and bless them. May your hand continue to be upon them. May, Lord, they thank you and praise you and give you all the glory that's due. But, Lord, there's also others here, they're carrying burdens. Lord, even when I say that word burdens, there's something specific that comes to their mind and in their heart. It changes their mood. It changes their thoughts. And, Lord, there's some that are discouraged. There's some that are facing this week, and it may be a doctor's appointment. It may be um, a situation at work. Maybe, Lord, it's even something in their marriage that they're, they're not looking forward to having to deal with. But, Lord, I pray that you would give them hope. I pray that you would give them a measure of your grace that's needed to give them the strength. Lord, you may not remove this trial or this burden, but, Lord, may they see you through it. May they experience, Lord, the strength that only you can give. And, Lord, I pray today for those that are struggling spiritually. Lord, maybe there's some here today, they, they need to be saved. They've trusted in religion. Or maybe they've been hurt by religion. Maybe they're confused and they're looking for answers. So we pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would draw them to you. May they receive Christ. May they put their faith in the finished work of the cross and the empty tomb. Give them an understanding, Lord, that they need, and may they receive that free gift of salvation and be gloriously saved today. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would work in this place. There's many people carrying different burdens, living life, Lord, and it may be different from the person they're sitting next to, but there is one thing, Lord, there's you. And that, Lord, we have in common. And so help us today. Thank you, Lord, for those that have served, those that came in early and set things up. Lord, today things haven't gone as we had hoped. Lord, encourage them. Lord, their service to you is not in vain. Lord, we just commit the rest of this service to you and ask you to be glorified. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 23. Acts chapter 23. My daughter on the way to church said to me, Dad, what are you preaching from today? I said, Acts 23. She said, again? I said, you're in children's church. You don't even know what I'm preaching. She says, how long have you been preaching through the book of Acts? And I said, a couple weeks. It's been a few weeks, I think. But we're coming down to the end of this book. Just a few more chapters left. And as we're studying this book, we're looking at the historical aspects, we're looking at Paul's missionary journeys. 
the, the majority of this, we see the New Testament church established there in Jerusalem after the ascension of Christ. He, he spoke that this would happen. He said, the Spirit of God, wait, and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And, and we saw uh, the day of Pentecost where Peter preached and 3,000 souls were saved and the church was added to daily. People were continuing to be saved. And we saw the excitement of the church in Jerusalem. We saw the scattering, persecution came and the church scattered. And we then read of this city um, that they were called Christians, first in Antioch. And a a great missionary journey began for the Apostle Paul. Paul, who was a... Uh, Pharisee and his goal, his desire, he thought he was doing God's will. He was going and finding these Christians that were preaching the gospel and he was going to uh, imprison them and even see them killed for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul is on his way to Damascus and he is gloriously saved. He meets Christ, his life is changed. And from that point forward, we've studied the life of, of, of Paul on these missionary journeys where Paul is going around to the known world through Asia and Europe and, and uh, uh, different areas on his missionary journey as we've, as we've uh, uh, passed through the first missionary journey, then the second missionary journey. And Paul is preaching the gospel, and word is getting out. The Bible said of Paul and the the apostles, the disciples of that time, that they've turned the world upside down. And what they mean by this is the world was set in their own religion. They were fine. They were comfortable living their lives. And Paul comes, and he begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He changes everything. And people were being saved. And lives were being changed. And this message of hope was being preached that God loved the world so much that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel message that Paul is preaching. You don't find salvation in the law or fulfilling the law because man can't live a good enough life to merit salvation. But Jesus Christ came and lived a sinless life. And that is the message that Paul is preaching. That's the message of the gospel. And some 2,000 years ago, that message was offensive, and that message is still offensive today. And you look and you think, how could the truth be offensive? How could the gospel offend so many? The name of Jesus, how could it be so offensive where people would kill and imprison and, and persecute just for simply believing the gospel? It's happening today because it's truth. We come to chapter number 23, and last week we looked on how to deal with leadership when leadership fails you. This week we are going to finish this chapter, chapter 23. There's a conspiracy now to kill Paul. Paul is now in Jerusalem, and he's been taken captive by the religious crowd, and they're going to kill him. They have every plan to kill him. Look with me in verse number 12. And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse or under an oath. They came together and they said, we're going to commit to do this, saying that they would not, they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And so this group of people, they were more than 40 in verse number 13, which had made this conspiracy 
And so more than 40 people came together and they said this, listen, we're going to agree. None of us are going to eat and none of us are going to drink until we kill Paul. It doesn't say until Paul is dead. It's till we kill Paul. We are going to take matters into our own hands and we are going to see Paul dead. What was Paul's crime? Preaching the gospel. What was Paul's crime? Going against the religious uh, elite of that day, preaching a, a, that the law doesn't save you, preaching that, that good works doesn't save you, preaching that religion doesn't save you. That's the crime that Paul has committed. Paul goes before the uh, uh, governors and the uh, uh, Roman leaders that have occupied Israel at this day, and they don't see anything wrong with what Paul is doing. They, they don't see anything criminal. And what they say is, this is something between you and your religion. Paul has not committed a crime. But they've committed now, they're going to kill Paul. And they came to the chief priest and elders in verse 14 and said, we have bound ourselves under a great curse, that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Now, therefore, ye with the council signify to the chief captain that he bring him down unto you tomorrow as though you would inquire something more perfectly concerning him, and we, or even he come near, are ready to kill him. And so what they're doing is they've come to the, to the, uh, uh, the chief counsel here and, and said, if you would cause Paul to come, get, get Paul from, from the guards that are protecting him and bring him down here, and if you'll conspire with us, we'll take care of Paul for you. We'll take care of this, this Paul that's stirring up so much commotion here in Jerusalem and, and around the world. When Paul's sister's son heard the, of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. So Paul's nephew comes in, and then Paul called one of the centurions unto him and said, Bring this young man unto the chief captain, for he hath a certain thing to tell him. So he took him brought him to the chief captain and said, Paul, the prisoner called me unto him and prayed me to bring this young man unto thee who hath something to say unto thee. Then the chief captain took him by the hand and went with him aside privately and asked him, what is it that thou hast to tell me? And then this young boy, this, this Paul's nephew, comes and begins to tell the chief captain what he has been told, what he's heard. They're going to trick you. They're going to ask you to bring Saul here, and then they're going to take Saul, and they're going to kill him. The problem is, though, Saul has told them, or Paul has told them, that he is a Roman, and he's going to appeal to Caesar to bring his issue before Rome. And so they can't let the Jews take Paul and kill Paul because then they would be killing a, a Roman citizen, and there would be trouble for them. And so there's a mess. The Jews are thinking one thing. These 40 or so are made up their mind that they're, they have a conspiracy. They're going to keep this oath that they've made. And, and then the Romans are trying to protect themselves and the, the political leaders of the day, the ones that are occupying Jerusalem. They're, they're cautious because if something were to happen to, to Paul on their watch, they would be held responsible. And so there's great confusion taking place here in Jerusalem. And Paul is the center of it. I want to talk to you about this topic today, and, and I want you to think about this with me. And the title of my message today is, My Mind is Made Up. How many of you have ever said on something, my mind is made up? My mind is made up. 
And that's it. I've come to this conclusion, and I don't care what I hear. My mind is made up. Let me ask you this question. How many of you, your mind was made up, and you realize later that you were wrong? Anybody like that? A couple of people? Huh? How many of you ever got into an argument with your spouse, and your mind was made up only to find out you were wrong? Yeah. You know, so often we make our minds up on something. But what I want us to look at today and what I want us to see is our mind must be made up on truth, not our feelings. How many of your feelings have ever gotten you in trouble? How many of you remember, I, I don't know, I don't even know the girl's name. When I was in fourth grade, she wore a blue coat. We were living in Michigan that year. She's the blue coat girl. And I was going to marry the blue coat girl. I was in fourth grade. She doesn't know my name. I didn't know her name. I think she might have been in fifth grade. She was older, an older woman. And um, I was going to marry the blue coat girl. I still remember all these years later, the blue coat girl. I couldn't, if she walked in here, I couldn't tell you unless she had the blue coat on. I think I was in love with the blue coat, not her, because I don't remember what she looked like. I thought I was going to marry this blue coat girl. And I didn't. But if you would have asked me in fourth grade, I would have told you, she is the most beautiful colored coat in all the world. I'm going to marry her. I won't ask you how many of you married the person you thought you were going to marry, but um, I married the one I actually fell in love with. But um, I just had to get that in there. My mind is made up. You know, we live in a world of contradicting opinions. Many today, and we see it today, and I, I preach this message on purpose today for one reason, because today, in today's political climate, many have dug in their heels and they're standing firm on their opinions or their feelings or on a specific matter, and they're saying this, my mind is made up. We don't care what others think and we don't care what others feel. We don't care how it affects or how it makes someone else feel. Our mind is made up. When we've made up our mind or we've come to a, what we feel on a matter, we're right and everyone else that disagrees with us is wrong. This has led to violence. This has led to hatred. I, I mean, we could take that and apply that today, but this is what's happening in Acts chapter 23 as well. These men have made their mind up. These some 40 men, plus all the priests and all the religious leaders, they've made their mind up that Paul is wrong and Paul deserves to die. It leads to violence, it leads to hatred. Cities have been burned, lives have been lost, people have been hurt, all because when humans make their mind up on a matter, that's it. I won't ask you this, how many of you have ever dealt with someone that their mind is made up and they don't want to hear anything? No, I don't want to hear it. Leave me alone, my mind is made up. I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't really care what you think. 
My mind is made up. How many of you remember, I don't think they say this anymore. How many, how many of you remember, you know, back in the day, this will say how old you are, talk to the hand. You know, that, that's like, that means this, my mind's made up. Talk, talk to, how many of you, I won't ask you how many said that. But. Listen, that's not Christ-like. We, we don't take a stand on our feelings. We don't take a stand on our emotions. But we must find truth from the word of God and stand on truth. Let, let, me, let me say this again. We need to be very careful, Christian, that we're not taking a stand just on our feelings or our emotions because our feelings and our emotions, they can, can, they can deceive us. But the word of God never changes. When you take your stand on something other than the truth of the word of God, it can cause anger, it can cause resentment, it can cause problems. These men have their own, they have made, made their minds up. Paul is wrong and Paul re- deserves to die. Look with me in verse number 12. And, wh- and when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together, bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till Paul was killed. They've made their mind up. Paul deserves to die. We see this in this biblical account, and we also see this in our own world today. And in every generation, I would say you probably have seen this since mankind. We can see this. It's a part of human nature. We get our minds made up on something, and we stand firm. We dig our heels in, and that's it. So much hurt. So much division. Because our minds are made up. You see, I, I believe that Satan's plan has always been to devalue human life any way possible. Stay, stick with me, please. Hear me. If we look at human life like it's not valuable, unimportant, because we, we are made in the image of God, and each person has a soul, every single person born into this world is born with a soul that is going to spend eternity someplace. God, the Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Jesus Christ left heaven's home and came to this earth and lived a sinless, perfect life here on this earth for one reason, one reason only, and that was to redeem mankind. That was to save mankind because man was born and dead and trespasses in sin. And and if it was left up to man, man would die within their sin without their sin debt being paid for. And because God is a righteous God and a holy God, he cannot allow sin into his presence. And so man then would have to pay for their sin debt for all of eternity. That's why it's dangerous when you hear things. Somebody asked me this morning about the message I referred to a few weeks ago when someone will say there is no hell, that that everyone goes to heaven. That is not Bible. That is so contrary to truth. Now, our feelings would like to say that. Well, no, God's a loving God and everyone's going to go to heaven, but that's not what the Bible says. And it doesn't mean that God is some some man in, in the sky that is mad at humankind and looking to just judge. No, he's a loving God that can't allow sin into his presence and sin must be judged, but God so loved
Better? All right. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God's not willing. He doesn't desire for any human being to spend eternity in hell apart from him for all eternity. That's not God's plan. That's not God's desire. Man chooses that when they reject Christ. But Satan then has this plan, devalue human life any way possible. Because God wants to spend eternity with you. God wants your praise and your honor and, and wants you to give him glory for all of eternity. And Satan hates that thought. Because Satan wants what only belongs to God. And Satan is desiring, is, is wanting everyone to devalue life so that man will reject God's gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. Satan does not want God to be worshiped. He does not want God to be praised. He wants what belongs to God. And, and, and listen to me, Christian, don't, don't lose that. And I'm not trying to simplify it so much that it, that it seems unimportant, but that's really the root of everything that we're finding sinful on this earth. It goes back to Satan. It goes back to sin. It goes back to a plan that Satan does not want you to spend eternity with God. There, every single person has a soul. It's going to spend eternity someplace. When you close your eyes to death here upon this earth, you are going to awaken somewhere. Anytime the gospel is preached, Satan will always seek to stop it. So if we teach men or animals that they're not human life has no more importance than a plant or an animal, we devalue human life. Men have no eternity. There's many that believe that. You die, you die. So just live on this earth the best you can. Make as much money, have as much fun, get as much, um, as much fame, leave a legacy for yourself because when you're dead, you're dead. Or, or, or if it's steeped in religion where you put your faith in something that man has made, devalue human life, abortion, murder, rape, hate, violence, all these things that we see mankind doing against mankind. It's because if I can, if, if, if Satan can get us to de devalue human life, to not see you in the image of God, to not see you as a, as a living person that's going to live forever someplace in eternity, if we could just see you as an animal or see you as nothing or just see you as, 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 as no importance, then I can do to you whatever makes me feel good. We see it all over our world. I read this article this morning. A 24-year-old brutally beat a man at a Sitco uh, gas station yesterday. 70-year-old man. Brutally beat him because the 70-year-old man said, please put a mask on if you come near me. And the 24-year-old punched him repeatedly in the head and then dragged him out of the store by his hair because the man asked him to wear something. Children being molested. Sex trafficking taking place 
by the millions of in children in our world today just so that adults could be pleasured. Who cares the effects it takes on a human being with a soul? Women being an object, a sex object, not human so that mankind can do whatever makes him feel good not realizing it's another human being. A child in the womb is just a fetus, just cells, not really human. Children can be killed in our country by the millions, by the tens of millions, because we've devalued human life, because my mind is made up. I'm going to feel what I want to feel, do what I want to do. Desensitize mankind, fill them with greed, hate, violence, pride, jealousy, and anger. And that is what's describing these men in Acts chapter 23. And that is what's describing society that we live in today. Hear me, there's a source behind it all, and it's the wicked one. Live in your emotions and your feelings, not on the truth of God, and mankind will, mankind will come to this conclusion. My mind is made up. I don't care what you think, and we're in trouble today. We're in trouble. We're in trouble when we have that mindset. I'm right and you're wrong. I see these things that their minds are made up uh, here in this passage of Scripture. Let me give you three things here this morning. I had a long introduction because I wanted you to, to see this thought. And I want us to look at the danger of this. Because if we're not careful, we can also become this. I'm right. Why? Because it's the way I feel. Because this is how I, because I'm right. What I see here in verse number 12 and 13, let's look at this again. And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And they were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. I want you to write this down, please, someplace in your heart. Here are these men gathered themselves to ones that only saw it their way. It's dangerous. The danger of these men, I see in these first couple verses, they gathered themselves together with others that only saw it their way. They, they only heard one side. Paul deserves to die. Paul's wicked. Paul is wrong. And Paul needs to die. And we're right because 40 or more of us have come together and we're hearing one side on a matter. The Bible warns us against only hearing one side of a matter before coming to a conclusion. The Bible tells us that in the multitude of counsel, there is wisdom. Listen to me, anytime that we form an opinion on something, number one, we must find it in the word of God. Not just because someone else says it. Not just because someone else repeats it. Not just because someone else feels it. 
not just because it sounds right to me. Oh, listen to me, church. We have got to form our opinions on what the Bible has to say on that matter. What God has to say on that matter. Oh, there's so many, and I, and I may be offensive today, and, I, and I, I'm not trying to be at all. If you know my heart, my heart is to not be offensive, but it is to speak truth. But there's lifestyles that people are living and things that people are doing, and they're, 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 they're not looking to the word of God to justify it, but they're simply saying, God loves me, and so therefore I can do whatever I want to do because I love God and he loves me. And Paul says this, shall we continue in sin? God forbid. There is a right and there is a wrong. And we need to be careful that we don't gather ourselves together with those that only believe the way we want to believe because then we have no way to find out what real truth is. Now, listen to me. I'm not, say, I'm not saying that if you gather together with Bible-minded people that are obeying the Word of God and they're found upon the Word of God, that's a bad thing. I'm simply saying, like in this case here, they hate Paul. They want to see Paul die. There's a conspiracy to kill him because their emotions say Paul's wrong and we're right. If you want to find someone to take your side, you'll find them. Many times, once you disagree with someone, they stop listening to you. I, I find this often in counseling. You, you, in marriage counseling, you'll get somebody in, and, and it's, it's, it's to the point where I don't, even, I don't even necessarily enjoy marriage counseling anymore because you're going to offend someone. Because you've got to say one's right, and sometimes you've got to say both are wrong. And you tell the person that's wrong they're wrong, and oh my goodness, they go and tell everyone, What's wrong? Counseling as a whole, it's difficult because as soon as you tell someone that the way of thinking is incorrect, they want to write you off. We have to seek truth. It's dangerous. It's dangerous if we form our opinion and we stand firm on something as just simply our emotions. It's dangerous because they don't allow their heart to be touched by truth any longer. Oh, listen to me. Our, our heart, I, I've said this so often, when, when you come to church, someone will say, boy, you stepped on our toes today. I'm not aiming for anybody's toes. I'm aiming for your heart. I don't want to step on your toes. I don't want you to get new toes or steel-toed shoes so I can't step on them anymore. I want your heart to change. I want the word of God to, to penetrate your heart and then you be sensitive to the spirit of God. Oh, listen to me. There's always areas in our life that can change. There's always areas in our life that we can grow in. There's always truth to be taught. There's always areas that we ought to desire to grow. When you come to the house of God, I pray you come wanting to know God greater. God, help us not to, to be able to live in our emotions and our desires and our wants and what we do and how we feel and in a humanistic philosophy and be able to come to a place where the, the Bible is supposed to be preached and the Bible isn't preached and we can just feel good no matter how we live. God, help us not to be that type of church. God, help us to be able to speak the truth in love. 
God, help us to be a place where people that are, are in sin can come and find truth and, and find their way out of sin. God, help us to be a place where people are discouraged, can find hope. God, help us to always be a church that preaches truth. But, but uh, I, I pray that we'd never be a place where we just simply act and behave on our emotions and our feelings because it's dangerous. You know what I find here in these same, chap- these same verses of this chapter? They're willing to use violence to get their way. Well, listen, if you have to use violence to get your way, there may, it, may be a, it may show you it's not truth. If you've got to yell and scream and holler and beat your way into someone else submitting to what you have to say, it's dangerous. They use destruction to intimidate. They use force to get their way. They yell louder and appear stronger. They threaten harm. That's what they're doing here in Acts chapter number 23. When we want to do something, we look to others and we enlist others to get on our side. Listen to me, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Listen to me. If you've got to try to find other people that agree with you to get you the courage to do what you want to do or stand on what you want to stand because it's your emotion, that's dangerous. You're always going to find people to agree with you, even if you're wrong. These men did. Truth isn't truth because others agree with you. Truth is truth because God said it. It's dangerous to surround ourselves with the same thinking with, with no opposing issues, no opposing views, you, you cease to find truth. And your mind is made up with your emotions. Listen to me, Christian. I believe this. We ought to be able to have an intelligent conversation with someone that doesn't believe this book by simply showing them the book. You know what the problem is for many Christians? They don't know the book well enough to defend it. And so just get angry. Call people names. Sarcasm. And we use all of those things. If you have to use those things to defend yourself, your actions are wrong. If you've got to intimidate and hurt, listen to me, Christian, if we have the truth, we don't have to just yell it Louder, therefore we win. We ought to be able to show it in the Bible. We ought to be able to defend it because the the Bible says it. This leads to a second failure I see here. Not only were they gathering themselves together in verse 12 and 13 with those that just believe what they believe, they were unable to allow truth to change them. Look with me in verse number 14 of this passage. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a great curse that we will eat nothing until we have Paul. They were unable to allow truth to change. They didn't come and say, listen, this is what we're thinking. Could you help us? They said, no, we have banded together under a great, we don't care. Our mind is made up about Paul and we're going to kill him. They, they, they weren't seeking truth. They had their minds made up. What we feel about someone, what we heard about someone. Oh, isn't it so dangerous that oftentimes we make our opinion up about something or someone just simply based upon what someone else says? 
There, there's people that you may dislike today that you've never met. You've only heard something. I, I hope that you're not getting your theology and your Christian living from the internet. From Facebook. That's dangerous. We need to get it from the word of God. We need to be careful that we aren't so uh, uh, stubborn in our heads and our hearts to a place that we're not willing to hear truth because truth is what sets us free. What we heard about someone, we don't want truth. We want to be right. Oh, listen, so much damage has been done. So much damage to marriages and so much damages to friendships and so much damages to churches and so much damages to the cause of Christ because we don't want truth. We just want to be right. I, they did the same to Jesus. Jesus, the son of God, comes in God comes to this earth and God, the creator of this earth, is teaching mankind to repent of your sin and trust him and, and put your faith in him and, and he's going to pay their sin debt and they refuse to hear truth. No, I'm going to do it my way. So much damage is done. So much damage is done when you refuse truth in your life. So much damage is done when you refuse uh, uh, truth in your relationships and when you refuse truth in your thinking when you allow yourselves to be controlled by your emotions and your heart and not truth damage is done the cost for many is eternity and church listen to me as, as Bible believing Christians that ought to stir us the fact that human beings that die on this earth without Christ will spend eternity separated from God, that ought to stir us. The cost for others is broken relationships because I refuse truth. Failed marriages, loneliness, people wishing they weren't alone, but their failure to accept truth has put them in a place of anger, frustration, depression, discouragement, hurtful memories and harmful memories that they just can't get out of their minds because they refuse truth. Because we have set a scenario in our minds and our mind is made up. And we won't allow ourselves to receive truth. We need to be careful. Thirdly, I want you to see this. Not only did they gather themselves with only with those that only believed what they believed, they also, here in verse number 14, they came to the place where they were not going to receive truth. And then look with me in verse number 15. Now, therefore, ye with the council signify to the chief captain that he bring him down unto the morrow as though ye would inquire something more perfectly concerning him. And we, or, or, or ever he come near, are ready to kill him. Thirdly, these group, it's so dangerous. Number one, they brought themselves together and only thought one way. Number two, they refused truth. Number three, they desired to take matters into their own hands instead of leaving it to God. Listen, some of us have gotten ourselves into issues with people 
because our feelings and our emotions dictate we were going to feel. And we said this, I'll deal with this myself. These men came to a place where they said, Paul's wrong. Paul needs to die. And we are going to take matters in our own hands. We're going to kill Paul. I'll decide the outcome of this situation. I'll let my heart determine the outcome instead of truth. Hear me today, there are some of you today, maybe, maybe you're dealing with some problems, maybe you're dealing with your emotions and your feelings and you're not allowing the truth of the word of God to dictate what is right and therefore you're handling situations incorrectly. You're taking matters into your own hands. You're saying, I'm gonna deal with the problem. I'm gonna handle the problem. I'm gonna decide the outcome. Well, who are they to decide if Paul should live or die? That's not for them, that's for God. And so often, if we're not careful, when problems come and things come and we allow our feelings and our emotions to dictate how we handle it, we are going to deal with it our, the way we want it dealt with because we want the outcome that only pleases us. That's hurtful. These marriages are failed because someone said, I want the outcome. I want to deal with this problem because of how you made me feel. There's friendships that are broken. The work of God is hindered because I am going to decide the outcome because of how you made me feel. Let me ask you this question. Did Paul deserve to die? Did Paul deserve to die? Did these men have the right to take Paul's life? because they just simply disagreed with what Paul was saying? You see, at times we can see it in someone else's life, and I'm asking us today, Christian, do we see these things in our life? I'm gonna make a decision, so I'm gonna find people to agree with me. I'm gonna close my mind to any opposing views that might even be true because I've got my mind made up, and I'm not caring what God's desire is, I'm going to deal with this my own way. And if it hurts someone, it hurts someone. If it's wrong, it's wrong. If you don't like it, that's fine. But I'm going to allow my heart to determine the outcome. I'm gonna allow my heart, my feelings to determine the outcome. I desire to take matters in my own hands. Christian, today, all of us, all of us in our life are going to be faced with problems. All of us are faced with decisions. In every one of us, when a decision comes, you must go to the source of truth and find what the Word of God says and let God deal with the issues. So many of us have taken issues in our own hands and done what we want to do the way we want it done, and the outcome doesn't bring joy. It brings more hurt. It brings more pain. I pray that we would determine today, listen, whether it's political, whether it's issues that are facing our country today, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's something in your marriage, something at your work, there is truth. Find it. Find it here. Obey it. 
and let God determine the outcome. Father, help us today. Lord, it's amazing we could read a story from thousands of years ago and the application is so real to us. Lord, in reality, we need to let you be God. We need to see ourselves as the created, not the creator. We need to realize that we don't know all truth and we don't have all the answers that you do. But when we see someone as less, if we see someone as because they're different, they're wrong, if we treat someone unkind and treat someone differently because of the color of their skin or because of their, their financial status or because we just think we're better. Well, we're dictating things from our emotions and our feelings, not from truth. Because, Lord, you said none are righteous, no, not one. You said all have to come to repentance in Christ to be saved. You're not a respecter of persons, yet our feelings cause us to be. We get into arguments and fights, and we have to be right because of our pride. So, Lord, maybe today we need a spirit of humility. Maybe we just need to realize that we're not better than someone else. We're all sinners that are saved by grace. That you're the only one worthy of glory and praise and honor. That you're God. And that we need to submit to you. And Lord, help us to realize that we don't always have the answers and that's okay. But you do. And may we look to you for truth. And so, Lord, I pray today if there's someone here that is dealing with some difficulties, some problems in their life, some disagreements, maybe there's some issues between another coworker or family member, maybe there's an issue with the brother in Christ. Lord, give us the humility to resolve it according to truth not our feelings. Help us not to take matters in our own hands and want to pound the flesh out of someone and hurt someone because they disagree. But help us to seek peace. Help us to seek peace and desire truth. Lord, I pray if there's someone here today that has never trusted you as their Savior, Lord, please save them today. Lord, don't let them leave here without knowing Christ and accepting him as their Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue the invitation this morning, we just want to ask you, what are you going to do with truth? We're challenged to look at our soul and to see if our soul is going to spend eternity with Christ or separated from Christ. And the way that our, we spend eternity with Christ is by putting our faith and trust in his finished work on the cross. So this morning, that's the question.
Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If you have, you have the hope that the world is looking for residing in you. If you haven't this morning, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. And it's really easy. It's not by attending a church. It's not by giving anything. It's by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection three days later. As you heard this morning in the scriptures that show us how Jesus died and why he died. So this morning, we're going to ask you, if you just bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. And maybe you're sitting here this morning. Maybe you are watching us online. And you would say this morning, I want that hope. This morning, the way you can have that is by simply asking Jesus Christ to save you. Putting your faith and trust in his work on the cross. And it is not a prayer that saves you, but it is praying to God. And so this morning, if you would say, Pastor Chris, that's me. I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ this morning. It's as easy as talking to the person beside you. And it's by saying a prayer. And if you will repeat this prayer with me, it's not this prayer that saves you. But it is a heart belief that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And paid the penalty so you don't have to. That is what saves you. So if you'll say this prayer with me this morning, if you would like that gift of salvation, again, it's not this prayer, it's but a belief in your heart, and you would say, Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and that I deserve hell. I believe that you died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sin, and rose from the dead three days later. I am placing my faith and trust in you alone. I'm trusting that you will forgive my sin and give me the gift of eternal life. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, is there somebody here this morning? You just lift your hand up. There's nobody looking around, but we want to pray for you. We want to support you. We want to cheer with you. Is there somebody this morning that you just lift your hand up and say, that's me. I accepted Jesus Christ this morning. I've never done that, but this morning I did that. I found the hope that I was looking for. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Thank you. Father, we're thankful for the service this morning and all that happened. Lord, we're looking forward to the hope that we have in you to be able to carry that this week into our community and in our work life and in the shopping that we do into our neighborhood. So, Father, we pray that you will help us to live out the truths from this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, before we go, it's always exciting when somebody joins our church family. Here at Monclova Road, we put a high value on church membership. And so if you are here this morning and you've been attending our church and you've never uh, joined our church or you've been attending and you'd be interested in finding out what that means to join our church, if you would see myself or you'd see uh, Pastor Rands out there and you just let us know, uh, I'm, I'm interested in church membership. What does that mean? How do I do that? Uh, we'll be glad to walk you through that. But uh, there are times, and we had a few weeks ago, we had a family join the church. And so we have somebody else that wants to join our church today, and that is Linda Holmes. So where is Linda this morning? 
She's right back here. If you come on up here, I know you don't want to do this all by yourself, but uh, where's Mike Tony? Mike, why don't you come in here and stand with her, one of our deacons? Mike will. Jess is coming for moral support too. Nobody wants to stand up here by themselves, but uh, Linda's been coming to our church for a while, and uh, she um, decided she wanted to join our church, and she's coming from a church of like faith, and so we're glad that Linda is here this morning. And uh, so for our members, uh, we want to vote her in. If you are happy and want to vote Linda into our church membership, would you just say amen? All right, you're in. It was that easy. Uh, the hard part's standing here in front of everybody, but uh, we're, we're glad that uh, Linda is here. And again, if you have been attending our church and you want to know more about church membership, uh, see me and I'll be glad to share with you more about that. But uh, we're always excited when people join our membership. So let's have a word of prayer. We'll dismiss you. If you want to come up and you want to greet Linda, uh, you don't necessarily, if you don't want to shake hands with her, you don't have to, but uh, just greet her and just welcome her into our church membership. Father, again, we're thankful for this place, for all that it means. And uh, to so many people, young ones that enjoy coming to and look forward to kids' church, Lord, our teenagers who come looking for each other to spend some time with each other, Lord, for our adults that come and find joy in community. Lord, we thank you for our church. Lord, we ask that you'll bless Linda. Lord, thank you for her joining with us this morning. And we pray, Lord, that she will become a fruitful member of our church and will encourage others, strengthen others. So, Father, we pray this morning that you'll guide and direct us to use the truths that we heard in the message this morning. The songs that we sang that encouraged our hearts, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to take that from this place and use it to encourage the people around us. Lord, thank you for meeting us here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great day.